0: There's a great biblical principle It goes like this, to whom much is given, much is required. And that's uh, certainly true for those of us that know the Lord as individuals, but it's also true for us as a church. Jesus said, to whom much is given, much is required, and there's no doubt that God has given this family here much, probably more than Anybody else, maybe you in our town. And God says you have a responsibility, Big Valley Grace, to all that I've given you. And I'm glad that this is a family of believers that says, you know what, we, we care about people. Not just those people that come here, but our brothers and sisters who might attend other churches. Who might be in other places in our town. Nothing wrong with having a church on the corner of Tully and Pellendale. Nothing wrong with living on this side of town. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing evil in that. But as followers of Christ, we have to care about all the people in our town, regardless of where they live. And I'm glad that we were able to be a, a blessing to some other churches. And this town has some great churches. I was thinking about Wade, Estes down at Cross Point. That, that's a great church. That church has been a lighthouse in this community before I was born. Incredible place. Our brothers and sisters, you know, they're worshiping the Lord right down there right now, just like we are here. Our brothers and sisters over here at Calvary Chapel and Damien, man, what an incredible man. He loves Jesus Christ. And man, they're worshiping the Lord just like we are. Our, our brothers and sisters down here on, on Brigsmore and Coffee, you know, uh, Calvary Temples, what they call themselves, and Glenn Bartow, an incredible man, my friend, and they're there worshiping God just like we are. Think about Pastor Applegate at Redeemer, and what a great church that is downtown, and they're worshiping the Lord. Our brothers and sisters all over town are worshiping Christ right now. Now, we're doing it all differently We're not all doing it the same. And that makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, we serve a God who created a thousand shades of green. One shade wasn't good enough. He's so creative, he created, I don't know, a hundred thousand beetles. How crazy is it to think that his church, when it gathers, would all do it exactly alike? We're not all doing it alike in this town. Some don't have any musical instruments. They'll sing everything a cappella. And there are brothers and sisters in the Lord. Some will have choirs and orchestras like we had last hour. And some will have bands. Some will do acoustic things. That's what we did over in the venue. I had a neat kind of acoustic vibe over there. We all do it differently. I don't know. I'm sure there's some church that does polka music, you know, and they praise Praise God. We're all doing it different. I've been in some places, on some continents, in some countries where you wouldn't even recognize it. The instruments they use and what they're doing up on that platform. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know what they're saying. I just know they love Jesus. That's all I know. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 10. He said, I'm sending you Christians out like sheep among wolves. All men will hate you because of me. Wow, aren't you glad you came to church? That's a joyful message from Jesus. Jesus said this in John 15. He said, if the world hates you, remember, it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as it loves its own. But I have chosen you out of the world so you don't belong to it. That's why the world hates you. Remember what I told you, a servant is not greater than his master. If people did wrong to me, Jesus said, if people persecuted me, guess what? They're going to do wrong to you too. They're going to persecute you also. Paul said this in 2 Timothy chapter 3, he said, everyone who wants to live as God desires, anybody who wants to live a godly life, will be persecuted. He went on to say this in chapter 4. He said, Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm, but the Lord will judge him for what he has done. Be careful of him, for he fought against everything we said. And guess what? Alexander the coppersmiths are all over the place. There are people out there who don't like our message. They don't like what we stand for. They don't like our worldview. They don't like our moral stances, our ethical stances. And they fight against us. So what's my point in sharing all these verses? What what am I I trying to get out? Well, my point is this. Being a Christian in this world is dangerous at times. It'll cost you something to follow Jesus. There's a cost involved. It can be a dangerous thing. The Christians that Peter was writing to had suffered a great deal for being followers of Jesus. Peter says this in chapter four, dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials that you're going through as if some strange thing were happening to you. Don't be surprised by it. Jesus said, they hated me, they're gonna hate you. You're not of the world. The things you stand for, the things you are gonna share, your your convictions, your worldview aren't gonna go over very well in this world. He went on to say in chapter 5, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. Beloved, I got an enemy, and it ain't my charismatic friends down the road. I got an enemy, and it's not those who worship God a little bit differently than I do. I got one. I have an enemy, and so do you. But it's not my brothers and sisters in Christ who worship or do some things a little bit different than we might do them. But I got an enemy. You have an enemy. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your Faith, remember that your Christian brothers and sisters all over the world are going are going through the same kind of suffering that you are. Beloved, it can be a very difficult thing to live out the Christian faith in our world today. It's not easy having to deal with the devil and the demons nipping at your heels. It's not easy to live in a culture that doesn't like what you stand for. There's lots of hostility in the world today about Christians. Just watch the news. Just watch a TV program. Watch a sitcom. Listen to a comedian. Everybody, you know, takes shots at those of us that are followers of Jesus. Now, what this means is is that we as believers need a safe place. A place where we can go and hang out with others that believe the same things that we do. Hang out with others that have the same worldview as we have. Have the same morals that we have. The same ethics that we have. And that safe place is called the church. Which means you have to be a safe person because you are the church. The world's goofed up, man. The world's messed up. It's evil out there. The world doesn't like us as believers. And so there has to be a place where we can come that's safe. God wants his church to be a safe place, but it's only a safe place if we are safe people, you see. When you come here on the weekends and gather with other Christians, God wants us to be a safe place, but it's only safe if it's filled with safe people, right? When you gather, you know, throughout the week in your small groups with other Christians, God wants that to be a safe place, but it's only a safe place if the people who gather there are safe people. When you come to CR on Tuesday nights and gather with other Christians, God wants that to be a safe place, but it's only a safe place if the Christians who gather are safe people. When you go to the altar room after the gatherings are over and meet with one of your Christian brothers or, or sisters for prayer, God wants that to be a safe place. But it's only a safe place if you meet up with safe people, right? When you go to one of our men's or women's gatherings and meet with other Christians, God wants that to be a safe place. But it's only a safe place that the people that are there, the men and women who are there, are safe people, so it's really important for us as believers know, to know what a safe person looks like so that when we gather together with other Christians, we're able to create a safe place. And Peter does that in our text today. P- Peter shares with us six qualities that make you a safe Person. These are, are qualities that you as a believer should demonstrate towards your Christian brothers and sisters in whatever the context, whether it's in a gathering like this or over in the venue or it's in your small group throughout the week or it's a men's, women's event or, or, or maybe it's just one-on-one having coffee somewhere. And the more of us that are living out these six qualities... At Big Valley Grace, I want you to know the safer this church is going to be. Now, now, listen to me. These six qualities that I'm going to go through, I want you to know, Big Valley, you're, you, you do a great job with them, you live them out. And how I know that is uh, I, I see all the people that God is bringing here. You see, people don't want to go somewhere that's not safe. It's one of the reasons why the church in America is shrinking. Unfortunately, the church isn't a safe place to be anymore. But it's safe to come here. And so people are drawn here. You do this well. Doesn't mean we can't learn something and and take a look at a few things. But I want you to know all six of these are true for for those of us that, that attend here. I'm not kidding you. So, with all this said, let's read our text today. It's only two verses. And God made these two verses really easy for a preacher. You've you got to work really hard to mess up these two verses. The Holy Spirit fills our brother Peter, and then Peter penned these words. This is God's will for his church. That's you. This is God's will. He says in verse 8, Finally, all of you, remember last week he talked to husbands and wives, remember? Now he says, all of you, Christians here at Big Valley Grace, Christians down at Cross Point, Christians down here at Calvary Chapel, Calvary Temple, Progressive Missionary Baptist Church, uh, Mill Creek, all of you, live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic. Love as brothers. Be compassionate. Be humble, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing, because this you were called, because to this were you called so that you may inherit a blessing. So let's look at these six qualities, okay? Number one, the church should be a place where people live in harmony with one another. Look look at verse eight. God's word says, hey, live in harmony with one another. That's God's will, that we live in harmony with one another. I think a lot of times, you know what, believers, we, we, we look at the Bible and it's black ink on a page or it's red ink on a page. We got it memorized even. We can come in here and do this and all this stuff, but, but these words don't sink in. God says, I don't want you just to be a hearer of the word. Don't just memorize the word but I want you to be a doer of the word. And God says this, all of you, I want you to live in harmony with one another. We don't have all, you know, we don't all have the same gifts or the same talents or the same hobbies or the same income or the same personalities or the same ages or the same skin color or whatever. There are some things we're never gonna agree on. Contemporary music or the good old hymns. We're never gonna agree on all those things. Some people like all the new stuff. Some people like all the old stuff. Some people don't like any stuff at all. Just get to the preaching. <laughs> uh, I, I'm just I'm, I'm rehearsing the emails I get every week. <laughs> uh, just, we're not gonna agree. People are dying and going to hell and we're arguing over that. Oh. Oh Unbelievable, the church at times. Unbelievable. I want you to think about this. There was a a moment in the church, this actually happened, not this one, but years ago, the the worship leader, I don't know, Scott got up, and there was a group of people, and he said, hey, I know you like all the, the, the old stuff we've been singing, but I got this new song, and I want to teach you a new song. And you know people were going, oh no, all that new stuff. I like the old stuff. And he said, well, I'll try it out here. It goes like this. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And you know there were people going, ah, those new things, ah, that stinks. I like the old stuff. That song's never gonna catch on. That'll never be a hit. Some people think that song was actually found in Scripture. It was a new song at one moment. Is it a great song today? Absolutely. One of my favorites. And I like singing the great old hymns of the faith. I do. But I also know that God puts new songs in our hearts, and I love the new songs. I like all kinds of music. I do. But we're not always going to agree on all that. Should we have shorter services or longer services? Longer, right? Come on, come on. There's always that tension. You preach too long, there's too many songs. we got to get out of here in an hour. And some of you are going, oh, no, man. Once a week, we come together, go as long as you need to go, right? There's always that tension. We're not going to agree on that. Hey, communion, man, I don't know why we don't do it every week. But we got to do it every month. Do we do it every week? We're not doing it every Here's a good one. You know, Pastor Rick, I heard from the Lord very clearly that the music is too loud. An hour later, Pastor Rick, hey, I just heard from the Lord in my prayer time, and the music ain't loud enough. They're both, God's conflicted. He's a schizophrenic. He One, one minute, the Lord spoke clearly to this guy, and the Lord spoke clearly to this guy, you know. I get emails like that all the time I just want you to know that over all kinds of things oh the Lord told me this oh the Lord told me this oh really that's weird that's weird how does that work beloved we're not always going to agree on everything but if you're going to be a safe person which then makes us a safe church you got to live in harmony with others and we do that well here we really do Think about all the things we do have in common. We have God in common. We have Jesus Christ in common. We have God's Holy Spirit indwelling us in common. We all have heaven in common. We all have salvation in common. We all have His Word in common. We all have the same enemy in common. We all have suffering in common. Those are far more weighty things. And this is a church that gets it. It's one of the reasons why it's a safe place. Psalms 33 says this, how wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters live together in harmony. For harmony is as precious as the anointing oil that was poured over Aaron's head. Harmony is as refreshing as the dew from Mount Hermon that falls on the mountains of Zion. isn't that great? Paul said this in Romans chapter 12. Paul said, live in harmony with one another. Don't be too proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Don't be conceited. Beloved, uh, you as an individual Christian and we as a church family should never make anybody feel like they don't belong here. Never make someone who's poor feel like they don't belong here. Never make somebody who's rich feel like they don't belong here. Never make somebody whose skin color is different than yours feel like they don't belong here. Never make a a, a female feel like they don't belong here. Never make uh, a a male feel like they don't belong here. Never make somebody who's old feel like they don't belong here. Never make somebody who's young feel like they don't belong here. The Bible says this in Galatians chapter 3, There's no difference between Jews and Gentiles. There's no difference between slaves and free people. There's no difference between men and women. You are all one in union with Christ Jesus. Beloved, when you live in harmony with others, that makes you a safe person, which then makes Big Valley Grace a safe church. Number two, the church would be a place where people are sympathetic with one another. Verse eight says, finally, all of you live in harmony with one another and then be sympathetic. This is God's God's will for us. Now, one of the meanings of the word sympathize is to share in the suffering or the grief of others or to have an understanding of what others are going through. And that should be easy for us. The Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 2. the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. It ought to be easy to sympathize with people. Why? Because we all go through the same things. We all face trials. We all face hopelessness. We all face burdens. We all face failings. We all face sufferings. All of us. And God wants his church, you, to be a safe place where people can come and be with others who will sympathize with them. A place where people will work hard to understand what they're going through. A place where people will share in the sufferings and the trials and the burdens that they're going through. Nobody wants to go anywhere where people don't sympathize with them. The Bible says, This in Galatians chapter six, share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. And the law of Christ was this, that we were to love the Lord our God with all of our hearts, all of our minds, and with all of our strengths, and then we were to love others as ourselves. That was the law boiled down. And the Bible says that when you share somebody else's burden, wow, you're fulfilling the great law of Christ. When you care about somebody else, God doesn't want us people to face all the crummy things that life throws at you alone. He wants you to sympathize with each other, to help each other, to care about each other. He, he, he wants us to help carry each other's burdens. And when I look at the life of Jesus Christ, wow, you see that, don't you? I think about that moment when that gal was caught in the very act of adultery, this this prostitute, how how embarrassing that must have been. And these losers, these religious leaders, they they don't care about her. They don't know what it means to sympathize with her. They're dragging her through town. Maybe her clothes are all tattered and ripped. How embarrassing, how humiliating that must have been. And they throw her at the feet of Jesus. And thank God Jesus steps to the plate and he loves her and he cares about her and he defends her. He treats her with incredible dignity. Scares off all these losers that just want to point their bony finger at her and talk about what a sinner she is. Not the one that I follow. That's not how he treated her. He loved her. He understood. He sympathized with her. And yes, he takes her in his arms and says, look, my sister, don't sin anymore. Don't live this crummy life. I've come to bring you an incredible life, an abundant life. I've come to give you a life that'll just blow your mind. That you're just being tricked and deceived by the enemy. Don't, don't live like that anymore, don't. I came to give you something better. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, be happy with those that are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. That's the Christian life. We're rejoicing with those that rejoice. We understand it. And we're weeping with those that are weeping. We get it. We've all been there. In fact, on that video, wasn't it weird that in one moment, you know, uh, Wayne Bridegroom, woo, and we're all going, yeah, woo. And then it gets to Pastor Joe Tyler. One moment we're rejoicing. And the next moment our hearts were all heavy, weren't they? We were rejoicing with those that were rejoicing and we were weeping with those that were weeping. When we heard as a church what was going on with Pastor Joe, and we went to him. We said, Joe, look, here's the deal. You take this money and you do whatever you want to with it. If you want to take your wife to Mexico or to Hawaii or whatever it is you want to do, you do it. This money's for you. Go do whatever you want to do with your wife. If you need to fix up your home and get it ready for the moment, you go to be with the Lord so you have peace that your wife is you know, all taken care of. You use this however you want to use it. Our hearts were breaking for him. We were sympathizing with him. And I see that in our church. I see that. God wants his people to this church to to be a place where we're sensitive to each other's trials, where we're sensitive to each other's losses, where we're sensitive to each other's sufferings, where we're sensitive to each other's failings. We're going to fail. Let me tell you something. Unfortunately in the church today, not this one, but I just think in the church overall, the last place you want to go if you're failing is the church. How sad is that? that that's seen as the unsafe place when you're failing. It's so easy to forget why the second person of the Holy Trinity came to planet Earth, why he died on a cross, because we're sinners and we fail. And how did the enemy so trick us into thinking that the church is the unsafe place to go if you're failing? The church ought to be the place where you come and say, oh, I'm failing, I'm blowing it. And we love you and we care for you like Jesus cared for that woman. And we say, we get it. We've all failed too. I failed. I don't love always the way I'm supposed to love. I don't always show mercy the way I'm supposed to show mercy. I don't always do all the things that God wants me to do. I fail. We get it here. We understand that. Number three. The church should be a place where people love one another. Verse 8, finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic. Love as brothers. Love as brothers. Love as brothers. One version says, love each other as brothers and sisters. According to Jesus, the greatest thing you could do with your life is to love, right? Matthew 22 says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then love others the way you love yourself. Jesus said, the greatest thing you can do is to love. He said this in John chapter 13. He said, I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. And then he defines it. Just as I have loved you. And he loved you with all your junk and all your crud, and all your sin, and all your failings. That's how he loved you. And God says, here's my commandment. Art, I want you to love your brothers and sisters, whether they go to this church or not, the way I loved you. I know they all have failings and shortcomings. I know that. I demonstrated my love towards you, the Bible says, and while you were yet a sinner, I still died on a cross for you. Then that verse goes on and says, by the way, that's how the world will know that you're one of my disciples. It'll be by your love for one another. He didn't say people are going to know you're, you know, one of my disciples if you got one of those big 1611 King James Jerry Falwell four foot by four foot Bibles. That doesn't do it. He didn't say they're gonna know you're one of my disciples because you got a bunch of cross jewelry on or you're wearing witness wear or you got a hat on that says Jesus Christ or you got a bumper sticker on your car that says, honk, if you love the Lord. (laughs) Nothing wrong with those things. He said, how people will know you're one of my disciples will be by your love for one another. That's the distinguishing mark of a believer. I'm sure glad he said how people are going to know you're one of my disciples is because you, you live a perfect life. None of us would make it. So thankful he didn't say that. He said it'll be your love. Paul said this in Romans chapter 12. He says love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honor in each other. Beloved, love is critical. Caring about people is critical. I want you to listen very carefully to what the Bible says in Galatians chapter five. This is the Holy Spirit working through the apostle Paul and it says this. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, okay, when we become a Christian, when we become a follower of Christ, there's no benefit for being circumcised or uncircumcised. In other words, there's no benefit in some outward thing that we, we do. What's important is faith, your belief in God, expressing itself in love. That's what's important. That somehow your belief in God, your your faith in God, your trust in God, translates into how you love people. Loving the Lord your God, right? Loving others, two greatest commandments. Commandments. In other words, God says what matters in life isn't your accomplishments or your fame or your wealth or your IQ or whatever. What matters in life is that your faith, your relationship with God somehow makes you a better lover. That's what matters. God didn't come down here and love us to the point of the cross that we would somehow not then love other people. We're followers of Christ. We're to imitate him. Dr. MacArthur said it like this, saving faith proves its genuine character by works of love. Colossians chapter three says, above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Number four, The church should be a place where people are compassionate with one another. Finally, all of you, God says, live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic, love as brothers, and be compassionate. Webster's Dictionary says this about the word compassion. Compassion is a sympathetic awareness of somebody else's distress, along with a desire to alleviate it. So so basically, compassion is love in action. If sympathy means you have an understanding of the crummy things, you know, that someone might be going through, compassion takes it a step further. Compassion actually then goes, okay, how can I alleviate the problem? How can I fix the problem? And I want you to know, we do that incredibly well here at Big Belly Grace. I had a list of things, and just because of time, I, I just can't do them, of all the ways That this church recognizes how people fail and the burdens and and the things that happen in their lives and, and, and how we understand those things, but then how we work to fix them. Whether it be through Good Sam, whether it be through our counseling department, whether it be whatever, there's just a lot of different ways that we as a church go, wow, we understand life can be hard, we understand it. And we want to do all that we can to try to alleviate some of that. Now, basically, there's two ways that you can show compassion and thus be a safe person. Number one is by the way you talk with people. Ephesians chapter 4 says, don't use foul language. Don't use abusive language. Let everything you say be good. Let everything you say be helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear it. Look, when when life gives you a kidney punch and crummy things are happening, it's amazing how you can use the the three-ounce beast in a way that brings encouragement. Powerful tool, your tongue. It can be used in a compassionate way. Now, the second way you show compassion is by how you act towards each other, what you actually do. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 3, Dear children, believers, let's not merely say that we love each other, but let us show the truth by our actions. In other words, talk is cheap, right? And so God says one of the ways you can show compassion is by how you talk with people. Another way is by actually doing something. Compassion is saying with your actions, how, how can I make life a little easier for you? What can I do to help? What can I actually do to be a blessing to you? What actions can I do to help you in this time of trouble, this time of suffering? How can I actually bear this burden? Number five the church should be a place where people humble themselves before one another. Once again, verse 8 says, Finally, all of you believers live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic, love as brothers, be compassionate, and be humble. Beloved, because God made us all different, there are going to be times when you and another brother in the Lord or you and another sister in the Lord will have a disagreement about something. It happens to all of us. And when those times come, you have a decision to make. you got a choice to make. And I talked a little bit about this last week. You can dig your heels in and be unwilling to yield to the will of your brother or your sister. You have a selfish attitude. You're, you're an unsafe person, which means there won't be any harmony in your relationships or sympathy or compassion or love or whatever. Or you can make the choice to humble yourself. You can have the courage to give up your own rights so that you might be a blessing to your brother or sister. This is the attitude of a safe person. This is what makes us a safe church. You see, there are gonna be disagreements that come. They they, they, they come. And you either dig in, I ain't ain't humbling myself. and That makes you a very unsafe person. A lot of people live with unsafe people. Or you can have the courage to give up your own rights that you might be a blessing to somebody else. That's a safe person. Jesus said this in Luke chapter nine. He says, any of you wants to be my followers, you must turn from your unselfish ways. And as I said last week, boy, that's not easy, is it? Turning from your, you know, selfish ways isn't easy. But it's the way of Jesus. A humble person, a safe person, has the ability to say, let's do it your way. Some of you probably have never said that in your home, in your business, with your friends, because your way is the best way, right? People just don't know how intelligent and smart you are, so your way is always the best way. A humble person has the ability to say, you know, I don't have all the answers. (laughs) Well, obviously the pastor doesn't know who I am. (laughs) He has no idea where I went to school. I have all the answers. Some of you live with someone like that. A humble person has the ability to say, I need help. Ever said that? Ever looked at your, your wife, your kids, your husband, and God, hey, I need help? You know, when you do that, that makes you a safe person. A humble person has the ability. To say, some of you are just going to go, oh man, this guy's nuts. (laughs) I was wrong. Weird how just three words can be so hard. I was wrong. I'll give you two words that are really even harder. A humble person has the ability to say, forgive me. And our flesh doesn't like that. Our flesh doesn't like to say, forgive me. Our flesh doesn't want to say, I need help. Our flesh doesn't want to say, I don't have all the answers. Our flesh doesn't like that. And a lot of you, you know what? Live in unsafe homes. Because that's just not the attitude. There's no humility in your home. A lot of churches are that way. You know, these can be hard words to say at times, especially in our culture, to actually admit that you might need someone's help or that you were wrong or to say that you're sorry or to humble yourself and let's say, you know, let's do it your way. These don't come easy. But if you wanna be a safe person, these are the kinds of things you gotta do right here. Number six, and we're we're gonna speed through this, okay? The church should be a place where people are a blessing to one another. Verse 9 says, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessings. What? Really? beloved? basically God is saying, I want you to pay back a curse with a blessing. Wow, the way of Jesus is just so different. How do you do that? How do you pay back a blessing when someone, you know, hurling, uh, someone's hurling you know, angry words at you? Well, let me tell you what, I'm, what, I, what I try to do. I don't always succeed at this, but l- 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 let me tell you what I do. When those situations come, when somebody you know, says something to me that's just really mean or crummy or whatever, I begin to pray. I just begin to say, God, <laughs> I just wanna smack this person. <laughs> I just wanna poke their eye out with a sharp, pencil. The last thing I want to do is be a blessing. Help me, God. I'm a follower of yours. I need your help. What can I say? Give you a real practical moment. Um, I get a lot of emails from people literally all over the world who listen online or whatever. And, you know, it's a hostile world out there if you stand for Christ. And sometimes I'll get emails and And sometimes I'll just immediately respond. Then I'll I'll look over my shoulder because I don't want people to actually see some of the words I might be using. (laughs) Anybody coming in my office? (laughs) No. And then then I'll go, you know, hold on, hold on. And there have been a few times when I've called in, say, Mary, I don't know if Mary's here. She's one of our administrative assistants. And I'll say, hey, Mary, I want you to look at that. Why don't you edit that? And she'll come up and... She'll start reading it. <laughs> um, Rick, everything you said there, I'm sure, is truthful. Not a lot of love. Not a lot of love in that. Why don't you take out that whole sentence? And I'll go, what? That's like my favorite sentence. That's the sentence that makes me feel good. That's the one out of all the sentences? You want me to take that one out? Yeah, take that one out. And finally, when it's all said and done, it, you know, dear so-and-so, thanks for taking the time to share with me your thoughts. And sure appreciate you listening to the broadcast. And Feel free to contact me anytime you'd like. Just <laughs> you send the thing off. It's like, uh, what? Now, now, what that does is, they're, they're, they're dealing with a safe person. And so guess what? It keeps the communication line open. Now, I have, on more than six occasions, not, not called in anybody. And pew, yeah! And for like 10 seconds, I'm not kidding you, man, I feel fantastic, yeah! Yeah, wait till they, bing, you got mail, ah, yeah! Wait till they read that thing, yeah! And, and, then, and then the Holy Spirit, who lives in you, starts to do what the Holy Spirit does, convict you of sin it's like, oh no, that's not the way of Christ. Oh, oh no, you know, <laughs> and I'll fall, <laughs> on you know, on my couch. Oh God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry I did that. Now I got to take an hour or two hunting the guy down, resending another email. Oh, please forgive me. I was not kind. And, and he just, now I just blew a half a day, you know, and God just says, Rick, just follow what I say if you just follow what I say, you won't blow two hours hunting somebody down, having to apologize, and, but you'll be a safe person. And those people will at least contact you. They're at least listening. Maybe if you write something crummy, they'll stop listening. My word doesn't return void. You trust that I'm at work, even when they send something crummy to you. Like I said, I don't always do it all that well, but Proverbs 17 says this, if you repay good, if you repay good with evil, evil will never leave your house. Starting a quarrel is like opening a floodgate, so stop before a dispute breaks out. One of the reasons why your home is just always filled with tension is because you just keep repaying evil with evil. And so it just keeps going. All somebody has to do is go, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give up my rights that I might be a blessing to my spouse, whoever it might be. Bible says in first Corinthians chapter 13, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. And then it says this love, the kind of love that God wants to have and create and, 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 and cultivate in our lives. It keeps no record of being wronged. Some of you not only keep Record of wrongs. You you got a whole closet in your brain of all the wrongs that have ever been done to you. You've got them categorized and cataloged and you're ready to pull them out at any moment. Back in 82, you did this. Unbelievable. Back in 94, and there they all are. And God says, look, I don't do that with you. As far as the east is from the west, I've removed your sin. I don't remember it anymore. And that's the way I want you to live, humbly. Get rid of all those things that you're remembering, all the wrongs ever done to you. Quit throwing them up in people's face. Quit throwing them up in your spouse's face. Just humbly give them up. Even if they do it to you, don't return it. Look, God wants his people to get along, whether it's with you and your spouse, or you and your kids, or your parents, or your friends, or whatever. And these six qualities are, are, are how you pull it off. In fact, I want to say these six things out loud t- together, okay? The church should be a place where people, number one, live in harmony with one another, number two, are sympathetic with one another. Number three, are loving towards one another. Number four, are compassionate with one another. Number five, humble themselves before one another. And number six, are a blessing to one another. Let me tell you something. Every year, I take my family to the same um, hotel during the summer for a vacation. Same hotel, We've, we've done it for a lot of years. And they have this uh, ginormous pool there, and it kind of snakes around, and it's got a tunnel, and and, 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 waterfalls, and some places it's really deep, and it's just really a blast to be at. Well, there's this one section, and it's pretty big, and it's about that deep, and there's all these chairs around it, and it's for, for children to play. And every year, this is what I hear, Hey, um, I'll meet you down at the safe place. Hey, uh, the uh, wife will be talking to her husband. Hey, uh, listen, I'm gonna get us some chairs down at the safe place. Uh, hey, kids, don't forget, you just stay right here at the safe place. You see, the safe place is this little area where you know, it's hard for a, a little kid to drown. It's safe. And it's referred to as the safe place. But what really makes it safe isn't that it's only about that deep. It's all the people that are around it. They're all looking at everybody else's kids, their kids. And sometimes a little, you know, kid will fall over, they'll have a little shovel and they'll fall over. And it's like 18 people, man, are in the water, you know. And you know, their parents, other people's parents, you know. It's a safe place. We're all watching after one another. It's so safe that oftentimes somebody will look over and go, hey, listen, I'm going to run into the, the, down to the little hot dog place get a hot dog and pizza for my kids. Will you, will you watch my kids? It's safe. It's a safe place. And children need a safe place. And so does God's people. They need a safe place. And the church is to be that safe place, but it's only as safe as the individuals that make it up. Your small group is to be a safe place. CR is to be a safe place. But they're only as safe as the individuals who go to those things. And one of the reasons why God is bringing so many people here, why people are coming here, is because they're seeing that this is a safe place. Nobody wants to go somewhere that isn't safe. Nobody you want to go somewhere that is safe. People liked being around Jesus because he was safe. Especially the sinners. The Bible says he was called a friend to sinners. He came to die for them. Maybe you're looking at that list and you're saying, Pastor, all six of those things, I'm just not doing very well. My home's not a safe home. My business isn't a safe business. I don't make my church a very safe place. I don't do well in all six of them. Go into the altar room. If you're in the venue, go into the altar room and just say, hey, I need some help. Help me. Maybe you ought to come down here on Tuesday nights and come to celebrate recovery, which is a, a place where it's safe. These people recognize that, boy, these six areas of their lives here were goofed up, and they, they want to do better. They want to be a safer person, and so they come to this safe place where God is transforming their lives. Maybe you do, you know, five of them well, and one of them you're struggling with. Look, go into the altar room and say, man, I don't, I'm not very sympathetic around my home. I'm not very humble in my home. Maybe you're here and you're going, you know what, I'm doing all six of these pretty good right now. That's great. Tomorrow's a new day. I don't know which one you'll struggle with. I know which ones I'm struggling with right now. I'm struggling with three of them. All week long I'm studying this and God God didn't care what I was going to say to you. God had something to talk to me about. We're all in this journey together. Let us be a blessing to you. I want you to close your eyes. Close your eyes over there in the venue, and I'm going to ask Pastor Scott if he would come and pray and take advantage of the of the venue or or the altar in the venue or here. It's a safe place. I know the guys and the gals that are in there. They're safe people, and they'd love to pray for you.